Good morning and welcome to the Coffee and Cap Rates podcast, your go-to source for New York City's latest commercial real estate insights. This program is brought to you by Ariel Property Advisors. Hi everybody, it's Shimon Shkuri with Ariel Property Advisors, our closing cap rates podcast. And today I have my partner, Sean Kelly with us and our director, Stephen Varvalakis with us as well. Both are doing a tremendous amount of business in Brooklyn and are going to tell us what we've seen in the past six months. Hi, Sean. Hi, Stephen. How are you guys doing? How's Great, Shimon. Thanks for having us. So, Brooklyn, past six months, first six months of 2023, we've seen a drop in transaction volume to a little less than $3 billion. It's still about 22, 23% of all transactions volume in New York City, second to only Manhattan. Not a surprise. When we break it down to the different product types, I love to start with a multifamily asset class. What did we see there in the past six months, Stephen? Sure. So obviously overall, like the rest of New York City, dollar volume and multifamily was down compared to 2022, but there have been some noticeable trends that I think are positive for the future. Firstly, the trend that we've really seen continue since HSTPA in 2019 is the increased focus on smaller assets, six units and below that are most of the time tax class protected and primarily free market. During the first six months of this year, 57% of the transactions have fallen into this category. And that's really just because investors are looking for value add opportunity. They're looking to keep away from rent stabilization and regulation. But on the rent stabilized side, I think the positive is that Owners are finally beginning to capitulate. Just overall frustration with the regulatory environment. Have owners starting to come to term with the fact that there isn't a lot of value add here. They understand that. And I think we're seeing finally for the first time properties come to market with realistic cap rates, six plus and above. And that's allowing long-term hold family office to come back into the market. And those are really the buyers that weren't able to compete with the aggressive institutional groups the last couple of years that were just looking for pure value add. So that's one positive I think we'll see moving forward. One other thing to note about multifamily is 30% of the multifamily dollar volume during the first six months of this year was used to purchase existing affordable housing, which is the third highest percentage for a half of year span since 2010. Ariel property advisor that actually worked on one of those sales was uh, the Arker Company's sale of the 816-unit portfolio Sea Park in Coney Island. We sold that for $150 million. So obviously, there's a housing crisis in New York City. And I think investors are looking for ways to address that issue. And affordable housing that's existing is something that's on their mind clearly, and I think will continue moving forward. Thank you, Stephen. That's beautiful. I think you're right. I mean, the 34% of all transaction volume in multifamily was in affordable housing, and the CPARC sale took place in Brooklyn and assisted in that. I love the fact that you mentioned the 57% of transaction, not dollar volume, for smaller properties that are you know 10 and under, and that's unique to Brooklyn, and that is definitely because most of these buildings are predominantly free market. I think the demand for free market buildings is going to continue. And the last thing that you said about rent stabilized or predominantly rent stabilized buildings is that we've seen price reductions there or repricing of that asset class throughout the city in the past six months, for sure. 
And we've had some interesting examples of that. The families that are investing in it are looking at that price reduction in a very long-term opportunity in that market. What's happening in the land market? Did land transact in the past six months? I mean, it didn't do that well citywide, but was it good in Brooklyn specifically? And if so, why? Yeah. So interestingly enough, sale of development sites was one of only two asset classes that we did not see double digit declines in volume. There were 78 transactions in Brooklyn, up 5% from last year. Values stayed pretty consistent. What we saw was of the $811 million in transactions, half a billion dollars of those were in larger transactions and predominantly in the Gowanus and greater downtown Brooklyn market. What's really been interesting to watch is that land values have stayed consistent over the last few years, even as construction costs have gone up by 60%. And I think that's reflective of the fact that we are not producing enough housing, so rents are up. 30 to 40%. So that increase in rent that's happened in the marketplace due to a supply-constrained market has been able to offset the increased labor costs and construction costs. We also saw a lot of sites that had to vest for 421A. A lot of the acquisitions had to do with that. But we've also seen a really strong condominium market in the greater downtown Brooklyn market in Williamsburg, where there's a couple of buildings in Dumbo that are surpassing $2,000 a foot today. We sold a small site in a terrific location in Prime Park Slope for $520 a buildable foot. We just went into contract on another site in Borum Hill for $525 a foot. So we're continuing to see demand in these great neighborhoods, and we're continuing to see demand for really well-located, transit-oriented rental housing. I think that makes total sense. I think it's great. I mean, the demand factors for Brooklyn today are incredible, and that's what leads to these specific transactions. I don't think you mentioned the St. Francis sale as well. It's $160 million sale. It's a perfect location, probably a condo development as well. So things are happening in Brooklyn as long as you have the incentive, the fact that these sites, or most of the sites that traded, had the best before 421A is telling And when the state will finally have some kind of a solution for how to provide an incentive to develop rentals in the form of a tax abatement or otherwise, we will probably see a lot more transactions in Brooklyn. I think that was one of the boroughs that saw increase in dollar volume. So moving forward, Sean and Stephen, what do you think we should watch for? What's going to happen? How should investors look at the market in Brooklyn moving forward in the next few months? Yeah. So from an investor perspective, the investment community is generally long on Brooklyn. What's really happened to the marketplace for other asset classes outside of development, particularly the multifamily and commercial space, is a significant drop really fueled by the increase in interest rates. You know, the cost of capital fueled the market for the past 10 years. Interest rates are the highest they've been in 12 or 13 years. That's what shunted sort of transactional volume. What we're going to see from the development perspective is developers who are historically rental housing or condominium builders are really starting to look into the affordable housing space. So we're actually in contract to sell a development site in East New York that is going to be sold to an affordable housing developer. 
We're also going to see a flurry of activity in the Gowanus, right? There were a handful of sites that were in jeopardy of not being able to complete their projects by June of 2026. And the executive order issued by Governor Hockel is going to ameliorate some of that concern. So some of the institutional capital that was on the sidelines that weren't willing to invest in these larger projects are definitely back in the marketplace and lenders as well, right? Lenders were up against a deadline and just were not comfortable despite the caliber of a sponsor, despite you know a lot of pre-development work that had been done, they just weren't willing to take that level of risk given the uncertainty. So Brooklyn economics are doing well. The demand is great. I mean, we still have some challenges ahead of us, but overall we're seeing investment in the right assets, especially if they're repriced and getting to market levels. Thank you, Sean, and thank you, Stephen, for joining me here. And Hopefully, we'll listen to some more of that. Thank you, Shimon. Thanks, Shimon.